Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm really, really excited to bring you my guest this week. This is Stacy Like. Uh, she is the owner and operator of Buttered Marshmallow, which is a cottage bakery in Omaha. Bakes cakes and other confections to order. Stacy, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is super exciting. It's very exciting for me, too, because... I want to meet the person behind these masterpieces. Oh. I, like, Buttered Marshmallow, I feel like, is one of those things on social media that I felt like for months I, like, couldn't escape. I just, before I actually tried it, I just kept seeing more pictures and more testimonials about Buttered Marshmallow and these cakes that look so gorgeous. And I was just like, okay, if, you know, everybody keeps talking about this, like, there has to be something good behind it. And then... We ended up we ended up getting the the signature buttered marshmallow cake, and I specifically remember where I was, like what my wife and I were doing when I first took that first bite, and it just like transported me. It was so good. So well, I guess thank you. yeah, of course. I just I just kind of want to lay it out for for you right now for anyone who's listening to this who doesn't know what buttered marshmallow is or hasn't experienced it yet. Just kind of. How would you describe your business and and what makes it stand out from all the other bakeries in Omaha? Oh, golly. So I'm a custom baker and I left a corporate career to do two things, golf and bake. And buttered marshmallow just took off. Thanks to Omaha food lovers. I know that. I mean, the product is great and I can sell a cake to anyone as I can attest to you because I basically coerced you into buying a cake. But the best coercion of all time. <laughs> I have never been happier to be coerced. Thank you. But, you know, there are a lot of great bakeries in Omaha. In fact, I don't know of any bad one. I think a couple of things that just set me apart, the biggest would be my buttercream recipe. Nobody makes a buttercream like that. People talk about whipped. It's not whipped. It's not overly sweet. I describe it as eating a cloud of heaven or a cloud of delicious either one it's light and fluffy and unlike anything you'll ever have that that probably sets me apart in the biggest way when you combine that awesome product with the fact that I just bake from pure passion and love you can tell I think you can tell when you know, I, I hand you that product. It just has my heart all over what you're eating. So, pro- you know, there's probably every bakery in town is like that. So then put my buttercream on top of that, and now you got the coup de gras. Right. Now, before we go any farther, I want to make sure for any for any listeners, and we're going to do this again at the end to remind people, but if you are interested in buttered marshmallow, buttermarshmallow.com or on Facebook, buttermarshmallow is where you can be found. Or on Instagram, is it Pink Box Baker? Yes. Okay. Pink, yeah, the, the Pink Box Bakery. Perfect. So we have multiple places to find it, multiple mm-hmm. places to order. And one of the things that I, I love about Butter Marshmallow is I've only had the, you know, the, the signature so far, but it's so customizable. You can customize with different cake flavors, different fillings, different icings, like people can have a very customized experience. And I, I've talked to people who have even gotten their wedding cakes right. done by you. How important is that to a cottage bakery to be able to deliver a unique experience to each and every customer if they want it? Well, I think it's it's critically important to growing your business. If I just have a menu that you can just come in and order only these things and it doesn't meet what you're looking for at that time, 
then you're going to go somewhere else. And my goal is to convert 100% of the customers who call me and convert the people into customers. So if, if there's something you like and you see it similar on my menu, but it's not exact to what you want, I'll make it. And I've developed a lot of recipes. And one thing I want to just clarify, you actually got the s'mores cake. Oh, okay. Yes, which was is not the buttered marshmallow signature, but it's similar. Because you told me you like s'mores. We do love s'mores. Yeah, so that's Okay, so cake. wait, what's different? I've I've been I've been two, wrong this okay, whole time. Two very different cakes. The the signature cake, my buttered marshmallow signature, is a white cake base with caramel and torched buttered marshmallows baked into the cake. And then there's a caramel swirl between the layers, and on top is a crown of torched buttered marshmallows with a caramel swirl and drip. No chocolate in that cake at all. Then the s'mores cake is a graham cracker cake with a little bit of buttercream, Ghirardelli chocolate ganache, and torched buttered marshmallows between the layers. And then on top is the chocolate, it just kind of falls over the top. And the torched marshmallows are on top with a graham cracker crumb around the sides and on top. So it's like you're eating a s'more. They look similar because of the marshmallows. They're the only two cakes I put the torched marshmallows on, but very different in flavor and taste and composition. Okay. Well, thank you for correcting me because that that is an important distinction, and I definitely don't want to lead anyone astray. I do want to let people know how delicious this thing was, and so (laughs) much of it, I think, came from those marshmallows, which was so unique. Like, that is not something you normally see on a cake. That's not something I would normally really want to have on a cake to be perfectly honest but it works in this application because the way that you torch them it in a way it makes your mind feel like you are at a campfire Uh like that that was that feeling like you could smell the smoke you could taste the smoke and I was I was I was just telling uh Sasha the producer here like it doesn't sound like a good thing to have a smoky flavor in cake I can't explain why it works but it really really works can you kind of talk about how you came up with even that idea to put torched marshmallows on a cake? Because I I do feel like that's one of the signature things about your bakery. Well, the initial idea came from a friend of mine who told me after I started the bakery, got to come up with a signature cake. And I thought and thought and finally came up with, well, I'll make something with buttered marshmallows. And like most of the recipes that I come up with, I just threw some things into a pan and created this cake. So there wasn't any great thought behind the signature cake. I actually made it a year and a half, almost two years ago now for the first time, and put it out on Facebook and nobody ordered it. And I made an eight-inch three-layer cake. Nobody would buy it. Like A lot of times I'll create a recipe and I'll put it out there, and someone will say, I'll take it, I'll take it. I had to eat that whole thing myself. So I never really promoted it after that, other than I had a photo on my website. But then um, August, sorry, April or May, uh, one of my better customers, repeat customers, said, I want to try a cake. Mm, Maybe I'll do that buttered marshmallow cake. And I thought, all right, sure. And I made it, put a picture on it, and golly, people just went crazy with that cake. So 
I, I wanted to put the buttered marshmallows on something because they are so amazing. They're very different from anything that you will taste. They don't, you don't make them that way usually at a campfire. And that's what happened with that. I was camping with friends of mine, and we were having a marshmallow roasting contest. We had had corn on the cob for dinner, and we had one of those butter pushers. So I thought, oh, I'm going to enrobe this marshmallow in butter and see what happens. And I really thought it would flame up, but it did not. It just cooked. And the only reason I knew it was done cooking is because it started to fall off the stick. So when that happened, I got it and I put it in my mouth and it had caramelized on the outside Mm -hmm. and it just exploded all over my face. I have a photo of that, actually. (laughs) I think it's going on the website. Um, But it was amazing. It was like this melty, caramely, smoky marshmallow. So I made another one for the judge, and she declared it the winner of all time ever. So the lesson is always, butter does not make things taste worse. Correct. (laughs) Which is... Kind of then what led into my adding bacon fat to some of my marshmallows. Also something that never <laughs> makes things taste worse. Right. You know, it's it's because of the way that the marshmallow caramelizes when you put that butter on it. So it cooks completely differently than when you just put a marshmallow on a stick. That caramelization happens in it. It just encases all of the flavors. And I knew right away as soon as I came up with that idea of bacon oh, that's going to permeate the inside of that marshmallow. And it's going to be the perfect mix of flavor. You can't have too much because you don't want a bacon cake. Well, you might. <laughs> you can't have too little. Yeah. So, you, you know, you just put just enough on there and then you get heaven. <laughs> How did you first get into baking? Oh, there's really no story there. You know, I'm just, I'm a mom and three girls, and I just like the kitchen. always like to cook and bake. So that was just something that I did. Not, you know, there wasn't, I didn't go to school for it. No formal training or any jobs or anything like that? No, no formal training and not really any jobs. My former husband and I did own a couple of bakeries in town, but I didn't work at the bakeries. I just went and ate cake. So what gave you the confidence that that this could be a bit like I guess where, where where did this talent even come from was it was it just there the whole time was it just developed by home baking because like these are not only professional looking cakes but they taste phenomenal and not like anything I've had in anyone else's home before like you're doing something special where does that special come from you know I don't really know how to answer that question because there it's not like I can say this is where it came from um I knew that that buttercream recipe was something special. And when I started making cakes, I just, I loved the reaction I got from people. And that fuels you, you know, do a good job. It was at a time in my life where maybe I wasn't getting a lot of positive feedback. But when I would give someone a cake, they would love it. And I just kind of started developing that. And when I decided I was going to sell my products that was almost on a whim too I'd been making a lot of cakes for people and I thought oh I'll just put out a little note on Facebook and see if anybody will buy anything and I got my first order within five minutes of 
putting out a note on Facebook that I was taking small orders. I was still working in my corporate job. So this was just something I would do at night or on the weekends. But as I started to sell, I just got more confident. And then I started talking to more people about my cakes and something really wonderful happened. I could sell a cake. I sold a cake to every single person I would talk to about it. And I'm telling you, like, I would be in the bar hanging out with my friends. We're all older and grown up, and people would come in, sit down, start chatting. I'd tell them about my cakes. I would have orders when I walked out the door. Happened 100% of the time. It was crazy. So that just gave me the confidence to, to keep doing it. And then just, I don't know at what point something happened. It was in the last year where my skill just went from zero to 55 in six seconds and things just got better and my productivity increased overnight, literally overnight when I thought to myself, if I change one thing about how I do my my process, I can triple my capacity. And I did it the next day and tripled my capacity. What, what was that one change you made? I changed the method in which I make and bake my cakes. And I don't freeze them. I, I basically, if you're getting a cake, it's been made within the last couple of days. But I just, I just changed so that I was doing more of a production line. And it, it, I mean, it was incredible. I remember actually the week it happened, I had a friend of mine over and um, I said to him, I can't, I want to show you what I did today. And I took him into my baking pantry and I had in there probably 30 cakes. So a pan would be a cake, 30 of those. And he said, you did this today? And I'm like, yeah, I did it today. And then I showed him my stack of orders and this was in June. And I said, so here I have June, July, August, September, and even an October order. Because you're booking into October already? Yeah, he goes, that's really impressive. And it that was just another thing. It was like, oh, golly, <laughs> somebody appreciates what I'm doing. How many cakes do you bake a month? Oh, let's see. Probably 30, about 150. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just to be clear, like... I, I've said this before, but I want to make it very clear to the listeners. This is all out of your home. Correct. You do not own a brick and mortar. This is people order online. You make it at your home. They come and pick it up, or you, you deliver, too, I, correct? Yes, yes, I do offer delivery. So, I mean, like, that's just amazing to me. Do you have any kind of, like, a, not a commercial kitchen setup, but, like, what's your kitchen setup like that oh, you can handle that? So, you and I are sitting at a table that is, I would say, four feet by six and a half feet. That's about the size of my kitchen. The, the empty space in my kitchen. I do not have any sort of a commercial setup whatsoever. I have a regular kitchen stove. Um, I do have two refrigerators. I bought an, a second one. That's the only really added thing I have. So it just all comes down to figuring out exactly how many cakes I can bake. And I bake only on one rack at a time. So they're just because I want even baking. So I can bake six pans max at a time if they're the small, the six-inch pans. So sometimes I'm baking 
nine inch I can only I can get three pans in there it just depends but yeah I do it all out of my house now baking is a very specific science it's it's unlike cooking and that's something that I've learned more and more <laughs> as, as I do yeah. this podcast and that in cooking you can constantly adjust as you're as you're making something if something needs more salt you just throw some more salt in there you know you can change acidity levels you can bake it longer you can turn the heat up you can do all signs all kinds of different stuff to change the flavors and textures as you're cooking you don't really have that opportunity when you're baking you have to have a very set formula a very set recipe and a set process usually or it's not going to come out how you like it true absolutely so at what point did you develop that's, and obviously, you know, you're still working with new flavors and everything, but did you feel really comfortable with your set recipes and processes where you felt like, this is awesome, I can replicate this, I'm ready to release it to the world? Um, I guess that would just come from, I knew I could make a good cake, and I really didn't do much with flavors when I first started out. Um, I would add fillings or colors to the cake and to the icing, but I didn't really manipulate the cake at all, but I knew the cake was good because people loved it and wanted more. Um, and so that happened. That's just been, I figured out this recipe probably about five or six years ago before I really started baking for money, just baking for fun. Mm -hmm. Now I, I think it's, it's so funny. You know, you mentioned a couple minutes ago that every time you talk about your cakes to someone, they end up making a purchase. And I think just going back to the top of this episode, when you were describing the differences between the s'mores cake and the signature cake, and you're like laying out every element of it, I was like, how can anyone not listen to this and just want to eat that right now? <laughs> right, right. So going back to that, that point where you put that first Facebook post up and you had mm -hmm. an order within five minutes, that's obviously a really great feeling. You know, you feel that validation, oh, yeah. but yeah. was the progression quick or was it kind of a, a slower snowball like how, how how quickly did things ramp up for you well so keep in mind that I was working at a corporate career at that point but I I started getting orders right away but I would I would say I had maybe three orders a month, which was perfect because I was going out a lot with my friends and doing a lot of things, and I'm a golfer. I love to golf. I quit my career so I could bake and golf. I want to golf every day. So I, was prob I probably started getting orders right away, and I would get three a month. Sometimes in a week I'd get a couple. And it was always surprising to me because I, I had the Buttered Marshmallow Facebook page at that point, but I was not really doing anything with it. I'd promote a, a post every now and then and get some interest, but because I didn't have a website, people were unsure, and I wasn't a registered cottage baker at the time. I was just selling product to, mostly to my friends, but I could get every one of them to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you mentioned you had a corporate career as a marketing director for an international company, but you chose to leave that to, as you've mentioned, to bake and to golf. Right. Golf is, you know, pure fun, but you have to have that, you know, that infrastructure behind you that allows you to do that. How did you, like, that's a really big decision to, to go from, <laughs> I'm doing some baking on the side and, you know, I'm, I'm getting some orders and I'm getting positive feedback to, I want this to be, you know, 
what funds my life and what funds, you know, everything that I'm doing. How, how did you make that decision? Well, the decision was made for me in a way The I loved what I did, um, but I, I just wasn't fulfilled really in what I did. And then the company that I worked for was acquired by another company that did exactly what we were doing, but they were home based in Chicago. And I had known all along, if somebody bought the company I worked for, they weren't going to keep us around. They were buying us for our goodwill, for our inventory list and our customer, or our inventory and our customer list. And after I'd been there for a year, exactly what I knew was going to happen began happening. And so I, I saw the writing on the wall for my own position, but I'd already made the decision I was going to quit. And what I figured out is I live a pretty simple life. I, I don't have debt, and I've worked really hard to just get to a point where I don't need a lot to cover my monthly expenses. So I figured out that all I had to do was bake three cakes a day. And if I did that, I could just live a pretty simple life. And at that point, before I changed my processes, that was as much as I thought I could do. I didn't think I could, if I got an order for a fourth cake in a day because I couldn't say no to someone, I was stressing big time, working hard. But I just thought to myself, if I can just get three orders a day, I will pound the pavement. All I have to do is ask someone to buy a cake because they will. And I, I just wasn't worried about it. I wasn't worried at all. I knew I could do it. Just knew it. You had that much confidence in your product? Yes, absolutely I did. Because every single time I talked about my cake, somebody bought it. So if all I had to do was talk to 21 people in a week, and and that's only for a little while. Because then pretty soon I only have to talk to 16 people in a week because those five people are coming back. So how, how do you go from scaling up your company that quickly to where you're going from just doing three cakes a week, like, and I'm not even just talking about like cake production, but from a business level, like you're going from something that you mentioned, you were just doing on the side as a home baker to all of a sudden you have to register as a cottage bakery. You have to really, you know, scale up all your processes. What, what was that like? So, um, I had made the decision in October of 2017 that I was going to quit my corporate job. May I remember the day I made it quitting. I'm not going to work here anymore. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave in one year. And I have to figure out what I'm going to do when I, for my new job. And after a couple months, I decided I'm going to do the bakery. Why not? I'll do the bakery. So at that point, I had 10 months until I was going to walk out the door. And I decided that I was going to do something every single day toward my bakery. And so I, no matter what it was, it didn't matter. I just had to do something every day. And I remember one day was kind of funny. I was out on the golf course, and I hadn't done my daily task. And I'm chatting with my golf partner, getting to know her. And she happens to work at a food lab. I'm like, oh, I'm going to need to have my food if I want to package it or get a brick and mortar. At that point, I was thinking I was going to be doing that eventually. Um I'm going to have to have my nutrition labels done and everything. And so it worked out that way. But I just did that. And then I also started buying things that I would need for my home, for myself. Like I bought 
month, a year supply of paper towels, a year supply of dishwasher soap, things like that. So that that first year, I didn't have to worry about the consumables that I as an individual would need. I bought bakery boxes. I remember when I bought um, six either 300 or 600 boxes because three different sizes of boxes and 100 or 200 of each and thinking, oh my gosh, that's going to last me a year. (laughs) Yeah. Not Um, quite that long. No, not at all. (laughs) But I just, I, I prepared daily, every single day. So by the time that I was starting the bakery, I figured I would have around 280 things done. And that's a pretty good checklist on starting a business. Plus, in my corporate career, I had been involved in sales and training, customer service, marketing, inventory management, payables, receivables. So I wasn't worried about that part of it. So when you talk about doing something every day, Mm -hmm. did you come into the day with like a goal, like this is my one thing I'm going to do today? Or were there a bunch of occasions like you talked about when you were on the golf course where you didn't necessarily know what the day was going to bring, but something would happen in which you made a step forward. Yeah, I think it would be the the latter where, I mean, some days I would say, okay, today I need to call and, and open up a bank account. And some days it would be like, well, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And then as the day would go on, I'd be like, oh, today I'm going to order paper towels for myself for a year. So it was a mix of the two. Okay. What's, for, for people who don't know, what's the difference between being a cottage bakery and just being like a home baker who sells their goods? Well, you you can't just be a home baker and sell your goods. <laughs> Not um, legally, yeah. Right. So the cottage baker means that you're above the radar. And so you are tasked with following the rules more stringently, which you want to do no matter what. Um when you're a cottage baker, you in order to register, you have to do a few things. You have to take a safe a safe serve course, like the restaurant employees have to do, and um, I can't remember the other things you have to do. But there and there's not many, mm-hmm. and it doesn't cost anything to register. But when you register, what you say is, "I'll follow the rules of the health department. I'll follow the rules of the state. I'll pay my taxes. I'll I'll just be legit." So. It- Uh, In that year, as you're ramping up to do buttered marshmallow full-time, what's the most important thing that you think you learned or maybe the most important process that you developed that you think helped make you successful? Oh, I think it's the most important thing I learned, and that was the that Pete Ricketts uh, changed the ruling on cottage bakers, loosened it a little bit to make cottage bakers uh, be able to make more and sell more things in their home. There we're still limited on things we can sell, but learning that, uh, that lifted a weight off my shoulders. Like I couldn't believe because suddenly it, it made the vision that I could be successful and support myself doing this possible. My whole goal when I walked out of my career was I was retiring. I was going to bake for fun and golf. And all I had to do was bake three cakes a day and I could, you know, I could live. But by lifting that, that those restrictions or, or, you know, just giving us a little more flexibility and freedom, it, it just increased so much what we can do. Mm -hmm. Obviously you're baking a lot more than three cakes a day. We've we've determined that uh, several times throughout the podcast. 
how did that kind of come to be? Like that was your initial goal. That's probably what you started off as. I'm guessing mm-hmm. the first couple of weeks, maybe even, yeah, the first couple of weeks, even month or so. But then things start to ramp up. When did it be cl- become clear to you that this was something more than maybe just you know a a little side hobby? That this could be something bigger. Well, that's a really interesting question, and I'm not certain of the answer. So you know, in April of 2020, people had been saying to me, you should join this Omaha Food Lovers on Facebook. And I'd not heard of them at all. But I joined them, that group. And the, within 12 hours, it was incredible. I woke up the next morning, joined at 8 o'clock on a Thursday night. Friday morning, I had an order. I could not believe it. And the woman wanted it that day. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay, sure. And when she picked it up, she was so happy, and she posted about it on Facebook and said it was the best thing she'd ever had. It beat the restaurant set she had been getting the same product at, and I got another order the next day. And I for, So for a week where I had been making 10 cakes a month, because I wasn't working very hard at it for a while, um, I started getting an order a day. And then a week and a half later, I got two orders a day. And then a week and a half later, I started getting three to five orders a day. And um, I remember just every day it would happen, I would think, okay, this is it. I'm here. I'm, I am a legitimate business. It was one of those milestones. And I've passed a few in, that, in this year, but thinking I've, I'm really going to do this. And then I'd go for a day and I wouldn't get any orders. I'm thinking, oh, no, oh, no, I'm done, I'm done. And the next day, I'd get seven orders. So it was always catching up. Um, I would say by about July, when I changed my process, and the orders just kept coming. They just never stopped. Uh, I think one of the most difficult things for a young business, especially one that doesn't you know, have a storefront or anything, one of the most difficult things for them to do is to get the word out Mm -hmm. and to show how they stand out. And obviously word of mouth was a big thing for you. You talked about the food lovers group, but like how else do you just build awareness about your company? Because obviously, you know, you have people that you've been giving cakes to or that you'd been selling cakes to and and they were very, very happy. And that word of mouth goes so far, but like how how do you take your product to the masses at at a larger scale to the point where it really started to ramp up so much? Well, I talk about my business all the time to everybody and I don't do it to be annoying. I do it because I love it so much. I just want to talk about this new cake I created when I made the deep red raspberry cake, which is one, of course, you're going to have to try. I just wanted to tell everybody about this cake. And I remember that one because I'm that's when I sold in a bar to two different guys. They were friends, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'll take that. My wife would love it. Well, I'll take it, too. And it's just always talking about it. And every time I did that, people would say, I could see you're so passionate about this. I'm like, I am. I am. So I just can't stop talking about my business. And that that's how I do it. I did try some Facebook advertising I mentioned earlier. It was, it was not effective. Um, and then after the boom of Facebook, I just didn't really look for a lot of other avenues. You didn't need it anymore. That's exactly right. And I can't support it. 
you know, I'm, I'm at capacity almost every single day. And so I hate saying no. And for the longest time, oh my gosh, I'm a sucker for a story. Especially if a man calls, he's like, my wife wants this cake for her birthday. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. A husband is calling for his wife. Okay, I'll go ahead and make that cake. That'll be my 12th (laughs) cake for the day. But okay. Uh So I didn't have to seek out other avenues. But I still talk about it all the time. Just to everybody and anyone who will listen. I think I drive people away because of that. Well, I, I would actually say the opposite. I mean, like, I, I'm someone who you talk to, and that ended up, you know, getting me to buy a cake. Like, I'd seen the cakes on Facebook, and I'd seen the testimonials, and I was like, I, I was that customer who was basically, at, you know, in line at the store, but I needed that final push mm-hmm. to, like, to grab it off the rack. And when you said, hey, these cakes are awesome, would you like to try one? I was... That, that was that push that I needed, and now I'm a huge advocate for it. I absolutely <laughs> love them. So I yeah, think sometimes, thanks. yeah, the best marketing strategy is just just talk about it. And I think just seeing the way that you talk about it, I think the listeners will be able to hear this when they listen to the podcast. The way that you talk about it, you're so passionate. Like, that can't be faked. No. Someone who doesn't love what they do doesn't speak like you're speaking right now. Right. You know, and you say that, I, I say this to a lot of customers when they come to pick up, that adage of, find something you love and you'll never work another day in your life. You don't know what that means until you find something you love. I just never feel like I'm working ever, no matter what time. Every now and then gets to be three in the morning and I'm tired. I'll, I'll just go to bed. But there's the same number of times when it gets to be three in the morning and I'm like, oh my gosh, I better go to bed because it's three and I'm just working away. Now, I don't like to really talk about COVID a whole lot on the podcast just because I want this to be a positive place. But I think this actually, it has a positive place in your story. So I think when people think of COVID affecting, you know, the food industry, the main thought usually goes to restaurants. And obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, there's good reason for that. Restaurants have really, really struggled. Hopefully we're coming out of it now. But but you, you had your struggles too. Like how did COVID affect your business? So COVID made my business shoot through the roof. Um, so I was, I started my full-time bakery in October of 2019. That's when I walked out of my career one day and I wanted to bake for the holiday season. So I had a decent November and a decent December. And then January was, mm, February was pretty good right to Valentine's day. And then I went on a trip to Egypt and it was, absolutely life-changing and when I came back I just really wasn't sure what I wanted to do I I knew I didn't want to go back to work but I didn't even know if I wanted to bake anymore or golf I was finding pure joy in sitting on my couch (laughs) doing absolutely nothing so wait what happened in Egypt that was so life-changing yeah it's the start of everything you just I just went there and I learned all about all about the beginning of the earth really the beginning of yeah our planet and it's it's hard to articulate it's just to say that I went to a country where you can hear some things about these people but you go and everybody walked in peace and they were so kind and then you go and you look at the hieroglyphs on the on the walls and what they've 
what they've drawn on there and the pyramids you were walking on we're climbing on the pyramids and we're learning about them and to see these mummies and to look at this stuff that happened five or ten thousand years ago and think I'm just nothing in the big scheme of things we're just we we think we're everything but when we look back to what what the ancient Egyptians were doing you know it I don't it's just hard to say that it was it just moved me in a way I came back from there really a very different person I mean it changed a lot of things in my life and so I'm sitting on my couch thinking, eh, I don't know, I don't know. And COVID had just, we were out of Egypt for about five days when somebody on one of the river cruises was diagnosed mm. with COVID. Mm-hmm. And, and so we missed that by five days. We could have had a completely different trip. But when I got home, it was, um, we had a few weeks of normalcy, but we knew things were coming and then the 17th or 16th when they closed everything down. I just didn't know what was going to happen with my bakery, but I wasn't working very hard at all. And then when I joined Omaha Food Lovers and they were really pushing, you know, support local, support local, I just joined at the exact right time. So I saw the downs play or the, the decrease in my business before, like at the beginning of COVID, that was self-induced because I wasn't working very hard. I wasn't talking about my bakery. And then when I I actually had a high school classmate who ordered a paleo cake, and I don't do paleo, but I never say no to anybody at that point because I didn't have enough business at that point to do so, got me off the couch. And it made me think, I had to think, because I'm like, what am I going to make for this paleo cake? Because I want to make something great. And it just got the fires burning again. Then I joined that Omaha Food Lovers, and they were really pushing it. So for me, COVID is what just, I can't think of the word. It just pushed my business right out into the stratosphere. At that point where you say you were questioning whether you even wanted to bake anymore, were, were you were you really like thinking about shutting this down and not doing it? Or was that just kind of a temporary well, feeling? You know, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. I just remember every day I would just get up and sit on the couch. And I think I was so happy to not have to wake up and go to some corporate job somewhere. And, um, you know, when I, I look back, I remember clearly just every day getting up and turning on the television and just sitting there watching it and thinking about my dad who the last five years of his life just kind of sat on the chair and watched television all day. My mom would bring him his food or whatever, and we'd sit and chat about that. But it, it I didn't feel like I was shutting it down. I just thought, well, if somebody wants an order, I'll bake for them. But I'm not going to go out and push for it. For And I didn't know how long that would last. But I remember, I remember that week that the my friend ordered that cake. I got ten orders that week, and it was the week before Easter. It was the week of Easter, and seven of those cakes were not Easter related. And I remember at that moment thinking something happened because I got seven like birthday cakes, and I wasn't even trying. And I don't know where I can't remember now where the orders came from. Probably. I think probably some of them for Facebook friends or buttered marshmallow followers. Um, but it, 
that when that happened, it propelled Reignited? Me. Yes, that's exactly right. It reignited something in me. And then COVID hit, and my business took off. So <laughs> I'm not thankful for COVID. I'm, you know, I this weekend I saw the sun and the heat and the warmth and thought, oh, my gosh, live music is just around the corner. I can travel again. But I think it's hard to say what exactly was the impetus for my business just going off the charts. Was it Omaha Food Lovers? Was it COVID? Or was it just my love and passion of what I do? I think that's probably a combo of all three. I mean, yes. clearly your your passion influenced the product. I think uh, the, the Food Lovers group, which for people who don't know, it's over 50,000 people, yeah. probably closing on 60,000 people. It's 55. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. So that kind of gave you like uh, a bullhorn to just get your message out. And with COVID, I think, you know, a lot of people, they, they couldn't necessarily maybe go to a restaurant or they couldn't go to a bakery and they wanted something that felt normal. But most of us, myself included, cannot bake a good tasting cake. If I want cake, I have to have someone else make it for me because I don't possess that skill to do it. So I think when people started seeing those pictures, they were like, this is my way to get that flavor, right. get that thing that's familiar. In a world where everything is so messed up and everything feels different every day, a cake is something, like, comforting. Right, That's sure. That's something I know. Yep. So I think that, yeah, it's probably a combination of many factors that kind of helped you take off. Right. And uh, I think during this time of the pandemic, there have been a lot of people who have had more time at home, and so they've they've ramped up you know, their baking efforts and a lot of home bakers have kind of looked at it and, you know, thought about doing what you've done and mm-hmm. say, hey, what would this look like if I tried to scale up and instead of just baking for my friends or selling a couple on the side, I could try and turn this into a business. I think we've seen in the Food Lovers group for sure, there's a ton of sure. home bakers now that, that advertise their products. What would be your advice to them or just to any home baker who's trying to turn this into a real business as opposed to just kind of a side hustle or a hobby? Oh, golly. Um, I would say the first thing is definitely register. Just, you know, just make sure that you're, that if you're going to be above the radar, that you don't have anything that you need to worry about. But the second thing would be to love what you do because food critics can be harsh And it's one of the things that I really thought about as I was starting to ramp up as part of the food lovers group, I would see posts occasionally from people who had something they didn't like from somewhere. And the, it was a bandwagon almost. And, and I kept thinking to myself, I cannot mess up one single order because if I do, I could just be obliterated in a minute. So if you don't love what you're doing, if baking isn't your love, maybe it's not the thing you want to do. So, so love, love what you do and then plan for where you want to be in two years from now, not from where you think you want to be in a couple of months or something, because, you know, running out of ingredients that I remember a year ago, you you ran out of something, you just run to the store. Two in the morning, you run to the store. You can't do that anymore. And so um, just do that planning. And if you don't, 
if you don't know how to do the financial part of it or you don't know how to do the marketing part of it, get help. Because in order to be successful, you're going to need to do three things. You're going to need to bake. You're going to need to manage your money. You're going to need to promote your product. And so get help if you don't know those things. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to bookend the episode talking about flavors of cake. I feel like we started there. I want to end there, too. And, um, you know, we've talked about the s'mores cake. We talked about the the signature butter marshmallow cake. Some other cakes that you have offered off and on, Bananas Foster Cake has been a peanut butter cake. There's a scarlet and cream cake with Scott Frosting, which is genius, by the way. Right, thank you. So (laughs) just from hearing you describe... Between golfing and all the orders you have, you you seem like a very busy person. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like you have a lot of downtime. When are you coming up with, or how are you coming up with these new flavors? Oh, gosh. They just come to me. Literally. They, they really do just come to me. The bacon buttered marshmallow just came to me one day. And um, the bananas foster, I got a call from a bride, Brandy. She said her husband wanted bananas foster but they couldn't find a bakery who would do it and I thought oh yeah okay I'll I'll do that and as soon as I say that then I have to go figure out what I'm gonna do so a lot of it comes from just telling somebody I'll do something and then figuring out oh I better learn how to do it the jack fire cake with is cinnamon crunch cake with jack fire frosting same thing I just have to come up with the recipe modify what I'm doing and Um, so most of them really just come to me. My deep red raspberry developed that one in February of 2018 and it was cold and I had these raspberries and I thought, Oh, I'm going to just put these in a cake and see what happens. And so it's, that cake is loaded with fresh fruit. It's deep red and it's not like little raspberry pieces. There's ras, you take a bite of that when When I open the oven door. And that warm smell of raspberry cake hits me. Oh, my gosh. You just want to eat the cake right then and there. Um, it's, it's just another thing where I thought, oh, I'm going to give this a try. I've got something. And that happens a lot. It really does. Now, I, as, we, as we wind down here, I want to kind of talk about the different options that people can have when they order with butter marshmallow. You order 6-inch, 8-inch, 9-inch, and 10-inch round cakes, as well as a fourth and half sheet cakes. Mm -hmm. So lots of different sizes. If, you know, like my wife and I, we got one and just shared it. That was, you know, a smaller cake. But if you have a larger family or you want to get one for a get-together, there are large options available. You also, we've we've talked almost exclusively about cakes, but you do pies and cookies and Mm -hmm. some breakfast uh, pastries and breads and things like right, that. Right, right. So I would I would encourage people to to visit butteredmarshmallow.com and just kind of check out the inventory, check out the pictures and stuff. Is there is there anything else that anyone, if they want to learn more about buttered marshmallow, that, that they can, any resources they can check out or anything that you would encourage them to do? I think everybody should go to the website and read our story because it just talks about how how this all came about and I'm super excited about the website it seems like you must be on there it's brand new yes yeah it looks great just just uh converted that uh, last week actually I think I it's always hard for me to remember what day it is but I think it was the sixth when it came up live and we added an online ordering and so one of the things I would say to people is that you can't order specifically the cake that you want and press go on buttered marshmallow. And I do this on purpose. 
um, every cake requires a, a story. I need to know your story. I need to know something from you. And I just want to provide that personal contact with every single order I do. And if I look online and that's one of the comments that a lot of people make. So you can give me what you, the basics, and then there's always a contact involved with that. But yeah, to learn more, just or follow my Facebook page, because I'm always posting usually just about pictures. But, you know, a lot of it has to do with what I write about the picture, about the picture that you see, the description of it. That's 90% of what of what I'm doing is thinking, how am I going to phrase what I say so that way they take a look at that cake and they read it and they say, I've got to have it. Well, I can confirm to you that <laughs> both from your posts and from this conversation, you have a real talent for doing that. I've, Thank you. I did not want a raspberry cake like three <laughs> minutes ago, and now it's all I can think about. Just that I can like almost like smell that opening of the oven and just being like assaulted with raspberry, but in a good way. Right. Oh, so. yes. Yeah, it's absolutely good. I just iced one right before I left the house to come here. Well, thank you so much for, for leaving that raspberry cake very briefly before you can go put the finishing touches on it to come do this podcast. Stacy. I, I really appreciate this. This was a really fun conversation, and I, I just thank you for coming on today. Oh, my gosh. This was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me. This is like a highlight of my life. So. Oh, <laughs> oh that's, that's far too nice of a compliment than what this show deserves. But thank you. And Omaha, as always, thank you for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.